0: Welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And here is my friend, Michelle Woods, to tell us what are we going to talk about today, Michelle? Hi, pal.
1: How are you? (laughs) you (laughs) It's great to see your face. I know. I know you too. So we've got a couple cool things to talk about. Um, The first one is cold showers and warm bubble baths. I'll take B, not A. (laughs) Um, Spoons and soap boxes. And then gold mining and trailblazing. There you go. Always an intriguing list of up your sleeve <laughs> of carrots us. that you dangle in front of the mule every
0: time you yep. come into these shows. Are you the carrot holder and I'm the mule? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're uh-huh. the carrot dangler. I'm the oh, mule, probably. Okay. I'm the okay. ass that's following along. <laughs> <laughs> come on, little donkey. Let's go. <laughs> so. Yep be wondering, okay, why do we need to do part two of the weird chat about Jesus and sex? Didn't we do it justice in the first one? Quite frankly, this is such a big deal to me. And I feel like I have a lot more to say on this topic. So we are going to go there again because I I know that, well, I know that it makes people really, really, really uncomfortable when Mm -hmm. you start talking about sexual things and spiritual things in the same conversation, it creates butterflies in the stomach. It, sweaty palms, racing hearts, like it just creates a whole stew pot of anxiety for some sure. people. My hope is that if they will press through these anxieties and continue to listen to this show, it will be a magic wand waved over their anxiety levels and they will get really comfortable in their own sexual skin. And what a gift that would be to their Absolutely. current or future mates and yeah. guests. But people just have a really hard time imagining that we can be holy and horny at the same time because they can't envision that Jesus was a sexual being, but he so was like, this is really a hill that I am willing to die on. And so as we dive into this conversation, I have a couple of disclaimers. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number one, I want people to know that I'm not necessarily trying to defend me or my books or my ministry, as much as I'm trying to defend the God that we represent and the Jesus that called me to this ministry and God's word, because I'm fiercely protective of God's word and people exegeting it properly. And I'll explain what that word means in a few minutes, but I feel as if there has been so many misinterpretations of scripture when it comes to all things sexual. And I would just like an opportunity to really look closely at some of those my second disclaimer is if you're listening to this podcast and you are not necessarily a follower of Christ, you may think, I don't even care about this. I'm just going to skip to the next episode, but I urge you to go ahead and listen, especially if it's the church or Christians who have given you such a bitter taste about all things sexual. If you just think, Oh, there's no way that I would ever want to be a Christian because of how uptight and anal retentive they are about sexual stuff. I hope that you will give this conversation a chance. Just, just keep listening and, you know, worst thing that, that comes out of it is that, um, that you'll just have your day lifted by hearing Michelle and I banter back and forth. (laughs) But I do think it could be an incredibly healing conversation for those who have chosen to walk away from church or God because
1: of their sexual frustrations with the church. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many people that fall in that category. So keep pressing on and listen. And I'd love to hear their, their comments and questions or experiences. Absolutely. So so what I'm afraid has happened is that the church has
0: been so busy trying to extinguish people's sexual fires, and uh, it, it's, it's like shoving them into a cold shower of, you know, don't get aroused, don't act out, don't look at porn, don't have affairs. And yeah, I'm, I'm all about not acting out in unhealthy ways, but I don't think that, that totally extinguishing all sexual desires and appetites is the answer
2: to the problem.
0: I think that it's time for the church to invite people into the warm bubble bath that is healthy Mm. sexuality. When you read Song of Solomon (laughs) in scripture, it is definitely an invitation into a warm bubble bath with your mate. (laughs) And so imagine that, you know, know, sometimes a person needs a cold shower. Other times they need a warm bubble bath. It's just like when I go to physical therapy, sometimes they want to do, you know, heat on my hip my elbow other times they want to do cold on it and so Mm -hmm. you alternate back and forth or like a car sometimes you need to hit the gas pedal sometimes you need to hit the brake pedal it's not either or it's both and we need both we need both sexual integrity and sexual intimacy we need both cold showers and warm bubble baths and so i just want to help people get more comfortable with the warm bubble baths mainly
1: in this era Yeah, well, good deal. So Shannon, before we keep going, can we just hang on a minute, take, take a break and invite our listeners into a warm bubble bath in Belize, please?
0: great idea.
1: (laughs) Imagine four days on a beach in paradise
0: with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Nyer Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop, coming up May 24th through 27th or May 27th through 30th, 2020. Register today at shannonetheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited, so don't miss this Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. It's truly going to be
2: unbelievable.
1: So Shannon, talking about God and sex all the time, the, the God and sex lady, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you've had so many critics uh, from, from the years. So would you give us a scoop and just share some challenges that you face from, from your critics and how do you just keep pushing through and, and you're not phased?
0: I, yeah, I, I. <laughs> I've certainly had my share of critics through the years. I will have to say though, that probably 98.5% of people have been very affirming and mm-hmm. very understanding of the the method behind my madness and the purpose behind my passion. But another 1.5% have been <laughs> very confused and bewildered and sure. even angered, um, right. you know, with some of the stuff that I've said. So let me just go ahead and tell you about the first lady that- yeah that challenged me so I was speaking on the Biola University campus I did a chapel service and then I walked and talked to several students that afternoon who were just really moved by the message and so I was leaving there feeling like woohoo you know really did a great job sowing seeds into those young people's lives but I got an email later that evening from a lady who said that she was visiting her daughter on campus and happened to come to the chapel service Mm -hmm. and that she wanted to challenge me on the issue of presenting the notion that Jesus was a sexual being himself. And she said, the reason is because women who have been sexually abused would never feel the freedom to have a relationship with Jesus if I say that he's a sexual being. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, but but mm-hmm. you want me to say that he wasn't a sexual being? Like what hope does that give all the rest of us who need to be comfortable with the idea of approaching his throne of grace with confidence because he, hims- he himself has experienced every temptation known to man. Like I can't say that Jesus wasn't tempted sexually. That's not biblical. So right. I just I won't change the message just to make other people feel more comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. and so my response to that whole notion of, but Jesus wasn't a sexual being and you can't tell women that, or they'll be uncomfortable if they, especially if they've ever been sexually abused, uh, that let's just answer the question. Did Jesus have a vascular system? Yes.
1: He was human. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So yes. Did he have a brain (laughs) with a pituitary gland? He did. Did he have blood flow? Yes. Did that blood flow ever go to his genitalia? Oh gosh,
1: that's a weird question.
0: I know it sounds weird, but it this, does. Is, but this yeah. is what it
1: means sure. to be human.
0: <laughs> this is, this is not a, a kinky, crazy thing. This is what it means to be human. Even little boys, their, their penis gets erect when you're changing mm-hmm. their diaper and little girls get you know, lubricated and you know, like it, it, this is. This is what it means to be human. And there is nothing sinful about having sexual thoughts or feelings or getting aroused. There's absolutely nothing sinful at all about it. So of course, Jesus was a sexual being. And my response to her was that if having been sexually abused is so traumatizing to a woman, the answer isn't to neuter Jesus. Mm -hmm. The answer is to help her heal those wounds because the reality is is that the damage that was done to her on the day she was sexually abused is minimal compared to the damage that is done every single day, thinking that all things sexual are dirty and bad Uh, and nasty, and I can never ever let mm -hmm. myself engage in a a sexual encounter with my husband or anybody else. Like that's, that's, that's neutering yourself. Sure. And I think that's the travesty. That's one of the reasons why I love working with women at workshops is to help them heal those old sexual wounds. Sure. So I've just learned that sometimes behind the criticism is just a very deep wound and that they're speaking out of that wound, not out of
1: an intimate knowledge of Jesus and the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So, but let me ask you about scripture. Isn't there a scripture that talks about you know, looking at someone sexually or having sexual thoughts and um, that that's basically committing adultery. What about that?
0: Yes. Matthew five is the, that's the scripture that people want to throw up, not throw up, but (laughs) that, that they want to present as their defense that no, wait a minute, sexual thoughts that produce a feeling that created temptation are sin. Mm-hmm. And, and when they hear me saying, no, it's not because Jesus experienced thoughts and feelings. It's, it tells us in Hebrews four fifteen, he himself was tempted in every way, but was without sin. And so I, I challenge them to unpack that scripture. And Michelle, I am so grateful for my hermeneutics class at Liberty mm-hmm. university when I was working on my master's in counseling, because hermeneutics is the science and art of properly interpreting scripture. So it teaches you how to look at not just what the passage says to you. That that's eisegesis. What it means to me doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is what did the author intend to say? So you have to look at who was the author or who was speaking? Who are they speaking to? Uh, what was happening in the culture at the time that necessitated the conversation? What words did he use in the Greek or Hebrew that that you know that illustrate what he was trying to say? And Where is it found in scripture? What was said before it and after it so that we can see it in context rather than taking it out of context. I'm sure that you've seen the media take a sound bite from someone's speech, (laughs) taking it totally out of context and making them look so stupid because that wasn't what they meant to say at all. Right. So I have spent years carefully dissecting every scripture that I could find on any sexual topic. Mm -hmm. And here's what I learned about Matthew five that I hope will set people free. Okay. So this notion of, basically, it says that if you even look upon a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart, that it would be better for you to gouge out your eye that, rather than for you to let it cause you to sin. Right. Okay. And uh, and that you'll be basically cast into hell type of thing if, uh, if you allow this to happen. So what, first of all, was Jesus speaking
1: literally or figuratively? I don't think he really wants us to. Gouge our eye out. Well, here's the so, thing. Figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lust
0: is not just in our eyeball, it's mm-hmm. in our hearts and minds. Right. So are we supposed to gouge those out too? Like the entire church would be yeah. walking around blind and with mm-hmm. two nubs on the end of their wrists <laughs> yes. for you know, it's just it's chopping off their hand or whatever, carving out their minds and hearts is not an option. Uh and so he's obviously not speaking literally, he's speaking figuratively. And he's saying, take sin seriously. Mm -hmm. Now, why is he, so it's Jesus talking to his disciples and the other people listening during the Sermon on the Mount. So why is he saying to take sin seriously? What is this really all about? So when you dissect the scripture, what you learn is that uh, this is actually in response to the Pharisees notion that they don't need a Messiah. They don't need a savior because they were the righteous upholders of of moral truth and that they thought that their acts would get them into heaven. So Jesus was debunking that myth. And he was saying, Hey guys, your acts are not good enough to get you into heaven. And he reached into their life and plucked out the one thing that they did so often every day as naturally as breathing. And it was if you even look upon a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so this wasn't a sexual doctrine. If you even notice that someone is attractive or feel any sexual feelings toward them, it was a salvation doctrine that even that in and of itself is enough to exclude you from heaven. The only way that you're going to gain interest into heaven is through the blood that I'm about to shed for you. So when you look at it as a salvation doctrine rather than a sexual doctrine, this totally changes the lens that you look at it through, right? Is God so cruel that he would create us as sexual beings from cradle to grave, but if we even have a single thought in that direction, we're supposed to gouge out our eyeballs or chop off our hand or that we'll be cast into hell. Like, doesn't that sound like the most evil, twisted, Mm -hmm. bizarre
1: description of God? Right. Do you think that it fits God at all? Not, not the God I know. Exactly. Not the God I've experienced and have a relationship with. No, but you know, there depending on how you were raised or whatever your belief system is. Um, you know, sometimes your thoughts on this are so black and white, you know, there is no gray area. And so I've just through the years and experience and trials and my own struggles, you know, I've learned that we, we do naturally have thoughts. This is how God created us, but it's what happens after the thought or seeing someone that's attractive or like, does it stop there when it keeps going? That's, you know, for me, in my opinion, that's where the problem starts. Absolutely. It uh, all sin starts with a thought.
0: Absolutely. Small, but I, I totally agree with what Martin Luther said. He said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head but you can Mm -hmm. keep him from building a nest. Nest, Yes. And so, yes, if that thought is driving you to act out, then, then try to stop thinking those thoughts, distract yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that when women are lying there in their marriage bed thinking, Oh, but I shouldn't be having this sexual thought. And so I'll just think about what color I want to paint my walls or my grocery shopping list or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're not letting themselves get aroused. And they're expecting their husband to get them aroused. And that's not their husband's job. It, 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 arousal happens between your ears, not between your legs first. It's you have to get your head in the game. You have to let that pituitary gland trigger the blood flow to the clitoris mm-hmm. to create an interest in sex. But if you won't even right. let a single sexual thought go through your head because you're afraid that you have to gouge out your eye or chop off your hand or that you'll go to hell. Can you see how that is a crazy making <laughs> paradigm right there? Right.
1: You would withdraw naturally.
0: Oh, absolutely. Sure so, this, so this passage of scripture is not a sexual standard of don't ever have a single sexual thought ever, ever, ever. It is a salvation standard of the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus. And so I really wish that my aunt's pastor from about 35 years ago knew how to properly exegete this scripture rather than eisegeting it because um, my aunt told me the story when I was a teenager that she invited uh, a neighbor to church and that particular Sunday, the pastor preached on Matthew five, but rather than exegeting it and explaining it as a, as a salvation doctrine, he exegeted it and explained it as a sexual doctrine. Mm-hmm. And she had no idea that her neighbor had been having inappropriate thoughts toward someone who wasn't her husband. And on Thursday of that same week, my aunt gets a call from her husband and he says, I think you need to get down here right now. Mm -hmm. And so she goes rushing down and she gets there just before the ambulance pulls into the driveway. They find his wife in their bedroom, curled up in a fetal position with a spoon in her hand. And she has literally (gasps) gouged out her eyeball Because she thought the only way she could be made right with God because of these thoughts that she was having, but that she hadn't acted out on, but just for having the thought, she, she did what the pastor told her we need to do.
1: This is a true story. This is a true story. Wow. Okay.
0: So you can imagine how hearing that story as a teenager and a Christian, no less, and a sexual being I knew full well, it was like, wait a minute. Uh, this doesn't add up. So Mm -hmm. that's why I've always been fascinated with the study of sexuality and fantasy and sexual thoughts and scripture. And how does it all fit together? If the pastor had just said, if you have thoughts, take them captive, make them obedient to Christ. Uh, Even Jesus himself had thoughts and feelings and temptations, but he didn't act out on them. So he showed us that by the power of the Holy spirit, we can take them captive. If he had just preached that message rather than totally misinterpreting scripture and causing this woman to go down that path. Imagine how different that woman's life and her family's life would have been Mm -hmm. had she not taken it to that extreme. So can you understand why this is my soapbox? Absolutely. (laughs) It's, I know you well and absolutely I but, do understand. And I know that there's a lot of people who haven't gone to that extreme but they still beat themselves up, turn their sexual energies way down low, even even just crucify them, even just kill
1: them altogether. Right. And but let me say this, especially when you have um when you have gone through something in your past, it's hard to find that balance of uh you know, if you have had affairs, you know, if you allow yourself to have thoughts and you give yourself a permission slip because it's just who we're created to be or who we are, like there, that's a scary line to cross. Or if you're, if you've been cheated on and you, you know, you, you don't want your spouse to have thoughts and you don't want them to feel free to, to go there. You know what I mean? I understand the anxiety that comes
0: up for people. I do. I acted out big time in my teenage years. I never want to go back to that again. I know that I need to take certain thoughts captive, but I also know that I don't want to kill my sexual energies altogether in my marriage bed. And so you can't go from one extreme to the opposite extreme, Mm -hmm. 180 degrees from, from one point of crazy is just the opposite point of crazy. Uh, right. So, you know, we have to remember that pendulum swing. Sometimes we swing yes. too far to the left. We mm-hmm. act out. We do things that we never thought we would do. Other times we swing way too far to the right. We shut down. We we can't find that love and feeling. Let's find the healthy middle ground where instead of 9 p.m. On the, on the clock or instead of 3 p.m. on the clock, let's find 6 p.m. on the clock. Let's find a healthy, balance. There has to be gas and brakes. There has to be hot and cold. There has to right. be not just a cold shower, but a warm bubble bath sometimes. Right. right. So
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. So let's go here. I know you've written, you've written a couple books, right? <laughs> a couple. <laughs> 22. <Yes>. 22. <laughs> 22 books later. So when you release the Sexually Confident Wife book, I'd love to know was was there pushback were people shocked (laughs) did you just shock the pants off of the world what happened I did so
0: basically I had written like a dozen books on sexual integrity with the every woman's battle series and the woman Mm -hmm. at the well books and then I wrote a five book series on intimacy with Christ with the completely his series Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to just talk about sexual integrity and I didn't want to just talk about spiritual intimacy I wanted to talk about sexual intimacy and so yes when that book was released it created uh <laughs> some big time shockwaves uh it, so let me just tell you about the most one of the most painful experiences of my 27 year speaking career so okay. at the time that that book released in 2008 i had been teaching on this particular campus i'm just gonna let it remain unnamed it's not in business anymore but um Uh, teaching there for 10 years it was my pride and joy I would step foot on the campus teach my women the well class meet one-on-one with some of the participants have walks and talks and go back home so I wasn't really intricately involved in the program as a whole I just did what I did on that campus but when the sexually confident wife book came out and it talked about you know, various positions and oral sex and you know, just oh, trying boy. to help women catch a vision for what is possible.
1: <laughs> you rocked our world, Shannon. <laughs> I,
0: yeah. I, I, one of these days we need to do an episode on some of the doctrines and philosophies that were mistakenly taught on that campus. And I was just mm-hmm. trying to bring some balance to the conversation. But um, I got called into my boss's office and was told that we're not firing you because firing is a word that we would use to describe someone who's not doing their job and we could never say that about you. Mm -hmm. But he said, um, we've decided that it's just time for our ministries to part ways. In other words, I was fired. Yeah. Sent me reeling like crazy. I was in a deep funk for probably two or three years about all this until I was able to put it in perspective. And it, it was only as a result of that experience of not being able to teach on that campus any longer that the Women at the Well four-day workshops in my living room was birthed. So in oh, hindsight, wow. they totally did me a favor. <laughs> yeah. Blessing not, in disguise. Yeah. Not sure. to mention the blast program was also yeah. birthed out of that separation is like, okay, well, if I can't mentor aspiring writers and speakers on this campus, I'll just do it <laughs> in a totally different program. So yeah. it totally worked for my benefit. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But I want to tell you about one of the most healing things that has ever happened in my career. Okay. Um, almost two years ago, I got a call from. One of the main leaders of that campus and she was calling to check in and see how i was doing and she was calling to apologize she said shannon uh i was just really uh in the dark as to what these women were really needing that they needed so much more than just be a virgin when you marry save your mm-hmm. kisses till the altar type of a thing she said you were teaching them how to be comfortable in their own sexual skin for marriage someday you were teaching them how to overcome past sexual abuse and poor body image issues. And she said, we didn't realize that you were actually a goldmine of information. Mm. And she said, I am so sorry that we made that decision. It wasn't the right decision. And I have regretted it since then.
1: Wow. And
0: yeah, I just told her, thank you so much for you know, being That's big amazing. enough to make this call and to say these things because yes. it does make me feel so the much better. Deal. It mm-hmm. was a very big deal. And then she even went as far as to say, in addition to being a gold mine of information, she said, I recognize now that you are such a trailblazer.
2: Mm-hmm. And I,
0: I told her, I said, well, you know, the definition of a trailblazer is the one who has all the arrows in their back. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it, it doesn't an, feel good all the time. I'm it, sure
0: it, it's okay yeah. that I get some arrows. I'm willing to get some arrows if it means blazing trails for people, but it sure does help when I get salve applied to the wound. And that particular day was incredible salve to the wound. And I, you know, I've always continued to love uh those individuals that I worked with. And I'm very grateful for those 10 years on that campus. But I'm also grateful that it that my ministry didn't <laughs> stop there and that it blossomed right. out in, in in broader directions. Right.
1: All right, so speaking of finding a healthy middle ground, let's take a quick commercial break and hear from one of my personal friends that has attended one of your workshops.
2: Hey ladies, I'm Celeste from Arkansas and I attended my first Women at the Well workshop last year and I was blown away. And now I wanna ask you a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if you're single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending your own Women at the Well Workshop with Shannon Etheridge, an author of 22 books and a relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonethridge.com and clicking on the workshops link. Each four day intensive is limited to 10 women. So act now and reserve your spot today. So before we wrap up, will you tell us about the
1: experience you had just last year? Oh, you you knew that we
0: can't talk about critics without going here, huh? (laughs) Yeah, talk about arrows in my back. So I was invited to speak at this huge church up north and she told me specifically... I don't want you speaking on sexual integrity. We've done that over and over in our church. She Uh said, I want you speaking on sexual intimacy. I want women to catch a vision for what is possible in the marriage bed. And she said, in fact, we have such a large group. We're not going to have time for you to have all 22 books on the book table. So just bring three. And she told me specifically, she said, I want you to bring the sexually confident wife, the passion Uh principles and the fantasy fallacy. And so that's exactly what I did. However, because people know me most from the every woman's battle series, I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of people just expected that I was going (laughs) to be on sexual integrity and boy, were they shocked. (laughs) And so the, the really sad thing is, well, I mean, the great thing is that I have never seen books sell so fast. Um, I think I took 500 books and it was an audience of about 600 people Mm -hmm. and and we sold out of, of one or two of the titles before, you know, before the evening was even over. I had never seen that many books sell so fast. It was like a two hour span of time. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, wow, we obviously hit a, 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 a nerve, curve. right? Yeah. I heard, I saw this really cute meme. I have to throw it in here really fast. It said the clitoris has 8,000 nerves. So if you're going <laughs> to get on one of my nerves, get on one of those. <laughs> But anyway, (laughs) your pick 8,000 available. (laughs) So anyway, I obviously stepped on a raw nerve and I hate that. I hate that. I didn't have the opportunity to interact with this one individual because she refused to talk to me. She refused, but she went to her church leaders and complained that what she heard me say was if you don't get turned on by thinking of your own husband, then it's perfectly okay to just fantasize about somebody else's husband. Oh, wow! Well. you, you have read enough of my books and attended <laughs> enough of my workshops and done enough
1: coaching with me. <laughs> Would I m- ever say that to someone? <laughs> that is not the message you've ever sent. That is so not my the opinion. message.
0: Yeah. That is so not the message. It proves what Richard Rohr writes in one of his books. I can't remember which one I've read so many of them. He says, people don't always hear things as they are. Mm-hmm. They hear things as they are. They are.
1: Like, yes, personally. Yes.
0: And so the only explanation that I got from her via email was that she had been mentoring a woman in that congregation who was going through a very painful situation that someone had felt an attraction to her husband Mm -hmm. and had verbalized that attraction and sounded as if she was trying to create some sort of affair experience. So Obviously inappropriate. Uh, That's not just a thought. That was a thought that she carried out into an action. Action. I would totally condemn that. Um, and so again, she she refused to talk to me, but she actually reached out to my co-authors with the Every mm-hmm. Man's Battle series, Steve Arterburn and Fred Stoker, mm-hmm. and accused me of being unfaithful to the Every Woman's brand because mm-hmm. I preached a message on sexual intimacy rather than sexual in- integrity, and it's like how does preaching on sexual intimacy make me unfaithful to the message of sexual integrity? The two go hand in hand, right? This is one conversation people. This is two sides of the same Intertwined. thing. Yeah. This is like when you look at your bathtub, there's a cold and there's a hot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't have all of one or all of the other and yeah. have a luxurious bubble bath. It is a combination of the two. We have to move beyond the integrity conversation in churches and cover the intimacy conversations or else we're going to continue to be looked at as so irrelevant and anal retentive and Mm -hmm. stick in the muds when it comes to sexual stuff. And then what, what really, I, I guess this was the salve to my wound. There have been some people that were at that event that night who have reached out to me saying, I don't know what she was so upset about. I, I didn't hear anything that I disagreed with. Some have come to my workshop. Some have reached out for one-on-one coaching. And so I, again, I just have to, I have to ignore the 1.5% the who misunderstand me because of their own personal wounds or triggers and just keep my nose to the grindstone of preaching yeah. this message that Jesus was a sexual being, therefore we are sexual beings and there's no sin in it there's no shame in it we have to incorporate both uh, addiction language or integrity language with therapy language or intimacy language the two go hand in hand the pendulum does swing back and forth and that's okay uh, just find that healthy middle balance so michelle here's here's how i would encapsulate this show this is what i want people to take away from this two-part conversation we have to make it unweird that jesus <laughs> was a sexual being right right we can embrace both sexual integrity and sexual intimacy in marriage with no guilt no shame no inhibition and this really is a hill i'm willing to die on mm-hmm. anybody who disagrees with me on the fact that jesus was a sexual being therefore it's totally okay for us to be holy and horny at the same time because mm-hmm. we're sexual beings too challenge me email me let me know your right. beefs back it up with scripture you better have done your hermeneutical <laughs> do homework do your homework
1: people <laughs> you, you, you you better have
0: you, you better be able to exegete that passage you know properly in order to convince me i know that i will face god someday on all of my teachings mm-hmm. and i will hold yes. my head high when god and i have this conversation about teaching people that Jesus was a sexual being. Therefore, there is nothing sinful about our sexuality. We can have sexual confidence on tap because there is no shame. There is no shame in our sexuality. So I would just conclude with people, if you're gonna put me in a box, don't put me in either the sexual integrity box or the sexual intimacy box. There's no need for compartmentalization here. If you're gonna put me in a box, label it. Healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. And healthy right. means sometimes we tap the gas, sometimes we tap the brakes, sometimes we run the hot water, sometimes we run the cold water. So there you go. I am done with my soapboxing. <laughs> Are you sweating? I'm done with Dusty my sweat.
1: I just want to say thank you for helping us reframe our thoughts on Jesus and sex and that the two can, um, can be intertwined in a very healthy way.
0: I want people to know that they can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Jesus totally empathizes with our sexual thoughts and feelings and temptations. So I I don't want people to think that this, that we're going to keep going so deep in theology that that's what the tone of the podcast is going to be from here on out. I'm I'm done for now. I'm not saying I'm not going to get back on uh, a spiritual soapbox at some point, but we are definitely going to go in other directions. In fact, next week, we have a special Valentine's Day episode for people, <laughs> where Michelle and I brought our husbands in on the conversation for some little fun games. Um, we also have a conversation about sexless marriage coming up very soon. That when I listened to the recording of it, Michelle, I almost wept. It was just such really a powerful conversation. Oh, I can't wait to hear. We have conversations coming up with Dr. Doug Weiss and uh, Richard Blankenship and so many other experts in this field. I'm so grateful to have so many friends in this field that can contribute to these conversations. And I hope that these conversations equip you to have great conversations with your spouse, with your children, with Mm -hmm. your circle of friends, so that we can just become a more sexually healthy society so we appreciate you tuning in to today's episode we love you for listening
1: and we thank you for tapping on us (laughs) (laughs) please please put me in a bubble bath (laughs)